Okay. So um, actually, I've just. Oh, we'll see. We'll see how you do. Are you, are you with me so far? Because so far it's been 14 minutes of com of commercials, and you're, you're I understand why you're dozing off. I want to start this morning with a video that I've played here before. It's not new by any means, but every once in a while I just like to dig it out because I find it humorous. I understand you might find it offensive, and if you do, I apologize for that. I guess I didn't really do a lot of research into your sensitivities. But if you just please view this through, if you're wondering whether this is even appropriate, just view this through my eyes. And uh, this is a video that Craig Groeschel, who's the life pastor or the pastor at Life Church in Oklahoma, put out a few years ago, and uh, and he had a series of conversations with Satan. Okay, so it, it's, it's parody, all right? So uh, it, I hope you can find the humor in this. And then there's, uh, there's more than humor, there's some substance here. So just a couple minutes, we're going to talk this morning about the church. We're going to talk specifically about faith community fellowship. Uh, so before we launch into the conversation, that's kind of an in-house conversation, I want to just kind of... Uh, I don't know, play this because I enjoy it and I just feel compelled to share it. So this is, a, this is Craig's conversation with Satan. Well, hello, Satan. Glad to be with you all. Oh, no, every time. Looks like I could say it was good to see you, but I can't. The feeling's mutual, so we're good. Can you get rid of that cookie? You know we're fasting for one You want, one you want to go halfsies on this? No, no. You're fasting? No. I had no idea. You know what I'm going to say to you? I know, get thee behind me or something like that. I was curious, when it comes to the church, mm -hmm. what, what's your strategy? I'm growing to like the church, honestly. Uh, you know, they, they stay mad at each other half the time. They hate each other. They hate the rest of the world. So, I mean, I sit back and watch the fights like everybody else. You know what I'm talking about? So you're pretty good at division in the church. How, how is it that you pull this off? One of the easiest ways to make somebody just think that they're right, that they're completely and totally right. Another big thing, Bible versions. Everyone knows, myself included, King James is the only way to go. Uh, it's what I have in my personal library. I don't read it. I need to set the record straight on that. I don't read it. Um, but you wouldn't see me reading one of those hippie versions of the Bible with all street language, hip-hop Jesus stuff. You give me a scenario, I can tell you how I can make somebody fight about it. How about politics? Politics, easy. Christians are all Republicans, Craig. We've known that from day one. How about music? Uh, music. The music's too loud. Do I have five people singing? Can we really play secular music in the church? Lord, I lift your name on high. Come on! This is, this is kids' play here. How about alcohol? Uh, okay, no Christians drink, except that, uh-oh, Jesus turned water into wine, which I was there. Most people think it was red. It was white sin. It was, uh, I mean, I didn't drink it, but it was, I was there. Saw it. How about entertainment? Entertainment? Uh, did you see what I did to Disney? I'm the king! I rest my case, Craig! I can't let the church be united. Uh, I mean, you've, you've heard the saying, a kingdom divided against itself can't stand, or Yeah, it's in, it's in the Bible. It's what? It's in the Bible? Wow. <laughs> wow, that's, that's embarrassing. Can we... I'm sorry. Satan, have you ever been to a church board meeting? Absolutely. I go every Tuesday. If you've never seen a deacon just straight up cuss in the middle of church at another deacon, it's, it's a sight to behold. So what does it do to you when believers do come together? Well, I don't know if you've ever been kicked out of a club when the club's just going off and there's a great DJ and drinks are half price, but... It's the same feeling, you know? As long as I can keep denominations talking about what makes them them and what they believe and what those other people believe. You know, they're not talking about the J, the J guy. Jesus. Okay, so I'm gonna warn you once. Uh, if you say that again, I'm gonna leave. Because I, I, 
you know. So when I say you Jesus, just, you can't take no. it? You know what? No. Turn that camera off. That's it. Hey, where are you going? No. That's it. That's hey. It. Hey, Satan, you forgot your cookie. Eat it, Craig. <laughs> well, I'm glad you can appreciate that. <laughs> so, um, everybody comes to church with an expectation. Our expectations are determined by our childhood, by what we've been taught, by our good experiences, by bad experiences in the church. And as you know, there are every kind of flavor and colors and feelings and tones, even in Ellsworth, Maine. There's every kind of thing in the world that you could expect from a church. And whatever it is, you look and you can find it. But the interesting thing is this. The church does not belong to the people of the church. The church belongs to the founder of the church, and the founder of the church is none other than Jesus Christ. So the church belongs to Jesus. And Jesus made it very clear in his life what the point or the purpose of the church should be. And it's, it's interesting where you, when you go from church to church and you can, you can wonder sometimes if you're even in the same realm of Christianity. And I know that when you make a commitment to a, a local church, it, you don't get to go from church to church. But so I've been told that when you visit churches, you sometimes wonder, is this even the same kind of world that I just was in last week? Um, when you look at the different things that churches wrap their identity around and the things that churches uh, focus on. This morning, I want to talk for a few minutes about why we're here and what our focus, what our purpose should be, and how we hope to accomplish our mission here at Faith Community. So I thought it'd be helpful just to kind of get us thinking, to talk for a couple minutes about what the church is not here for. Let's just clear that up right off the top, okay? Because again, if you were to drop in from a different culture or from a different planet and just visited different churches, you'd come up with all kinds of ideas of why people uh, come together on Sunday mornings. And in some cases, they dress up, and in some cases, they dress casual, and why in some cases, people meet in buildings with steeples and stained glass, in some cases, meet in schools and gymnasiums or in a converted roller skater rink like we are in today. What's the point of this? What's the point of this? Let me give you a quick list. Number one, um, first of all, Bill, does my voice sound like it's really hot and bouncing off the back wall, or is it just me? Um, it might just be me. It's very possible. The, the, number one, the church was not left here for the sake of a political action committee or political reform or even social reform. And I know this is kind of crazy talk in North America, in the United States of America in particular, in, this, in 2016. It's an election year. What are you talking about, Todd? The reason Christ established the church had nothing to do with reforming society, had nothing to do with changing a political system, had none of that. At the same time, we know that when Christians focus in on the reason that Christ planted and left the church to begin with, that oftentimes things do change socially, and sometimes things change politically, but political and social reform are not the reason that God established the church. Number one. Number two, this one sounds so cold. Uh, the church was not planted to meet the needs of people. The church was not established to, to feed people who are hungry. It was not planted to house people who are homeless. It was not planted to clothe people who need clothing. That isn't the primary purpose of the church. And yet at the same time, we know from history... And some of us know from personal experience that when the church does the thing that it was designed and intended to do, that when the church gets on purpose and on focus and sticks with its mission, there's an increased sense of compassion 
for people who are in need. And funds are released into organizations who can meet those needs. And generally, society's better off when Christians do the thing that we're going to talk about today uh, that God originally designed and commissioned the church to do. The purpose of the church isn't even an environment where people feel close to God. Not the primary purpose of the church. Not to get a good feeling about God. And certainly, we want to have church services and worship experiences. I'm drawn to worship services that... that connect with me emotionally and let me know that God is there and I feel closer to God, I am drawn to that. But the church wasn't created to form environments where we can feel better about ourselves, where we can you know, go and be absolved of our sin, where we can walk out with a clean slate and then start the week off fresh. But maybe that's your whole experience with church. It's a place where you go to unload and then you, you go out and you go into the workplace and you have to deal with family stuff and the rest of your life and you kind of get reloaded up and then you come back next Sunday to unload That's not the purpose of the church. This one kind of strikes close to home for some of us, but the church wasn't established in order to make us smarter. The church wasn't established to just teach the Bible. The church wasn't established just so that there could be a place to go where preachers can preach and we can all take notes and we can get smarter and smarter and gather more knowledge and we can learn more and more about God. Teach the word isn't the point of the church. All these things are good things. All right, and there are more. We could go on all morning with my background, with your background. We sit down and share stories, things we've heard, seen, and you know, experienced. But these are secondary things. The problem is in doing the work of the church. It is so easy for secondary things to become primary things. And if you've been around church for very long, and you've been in any kind of leadership role, or been actually involved in really serving, you know this to be true that it's really, really easy for secondary things to become primary things. So let's take a few minutes to review church, why we're here, and what does God want to do at Faith Community Fellowship. Matthew 28 is where I'm going to uh, jump off this morning. And uh, if you've been around for very long in church, you've heard at least a dozen messages on this passage. But it's an important passage because in Matthew 28, Jesus gives us a charge. And he gives this charge to a group of people that eventually become, this becomes the purpose and the focal point of the church. So Matthew 28 He's already been crucified, risen from the dead. He's gathering his followers together to kind of give them his last words before he ascends to the Father. And Matthew 28, uh, verse 16, sets this up for us. Here's Here's what it says. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Then we find out in Acts that at that point, Jesus went up, ascended to the Father, and the disciples were just kind of left standing there looking, and an angel appeared and says, what are you looking at? He's gone. Someday he'll return. But in the meantime, you know what to do now. He's told you what to do. He's given you your instructions. Here it is in a nutshell. Guys, as you go, I want you to go into every nation, all the people groups of the earth, and as you go in the wake of your life, I want you to leave disciples. I want you to make disciples, and as you're making disciples, that'll include some teaching. That'll include some baptizing. That'll include communicating to them everything that I have communicated to you, and here's my promise. As you go making disciples, I'm going to be with you in a very real way. He says, I'm going to be with you in a very unique way because this is the thing that I'm most concerned about. This is the thing that has to happen. Make disciples. That's the imperative. Teaching, baptizing, communicating, all that supports those two words, make disciples. What's that mean? 
It means to take people who are not disciples and to turn them into disciples. So what's a disciple? Disciple isn't really a Christian word. It's kind of the only place you hear it used today, but it doesn't have its roots in anything religious. It's not a church word, although that's, we use it all the time. A disciple is simply a follower and a learner. And the purpose of the church is very simple. It's make disciples. It's come together, pool your resources, your talents, your gifts, encourage one another, get involved in one another's lives, hold each other accountable, worship together, do all of that. But the bullseye, the reason we're here, is make disciples. So here's the deal. If you choose to partner with us in this church, if you choose to get involved or to join or to keep coming on Sundays, here's what we want of you. We want you, as a Christian, to get involved in the lives of other people and to lead them into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. As a participant in this church, in order for us, for us as a body to stay on purpose and to stay on track with what God's called us to do, every one of us who's a member and a regular tender has to be involved, has to partner with us in this process, because that's what God has called the church to do and to be. I want to talk for a few minutes about the whole idea of membership, and we... Um, we often have these conversations as a church at the beginning of the year, and so it's the first Sunday of a new year, and so that's why I chose this topic today. We don't talk a lot about membership because um, we, we don't want to overemphasize it, but we should probably talk about it more. Um, the New Testament talks about, uh, it says that we are all members of one body, but I don't think that's talking at all about membership like we mean church membership. So if you're in a church and the preacher's using that passage, we're all members of one body, to say you need to be a member of this church, just... Um, um, be polite and then move on. But I don't. Really, no, I. I just don't. I don't want to use. Just do a word search for member. Oh, there it is. See, it says where church membership. We need to. I don't think that's what that's talking about at all. But I think there's a place for church membership. And I'm talking about an official joining the church kind of thing. And it, it's it's really more of a cultural thing than it is of a, a scriptural mandate. So you have to be really really careful as we approach this subject which is why we don't emphasize it a lot, but then again, we do believe it's important um, because our cultural practices are an inseparable part of our lives. It's important. It's an effective way, I think, uh, to make sure that the individuals who make up our church are on track with our mission, that we know what's expected uh, of us as individuals. We know what we can expect from our experience at Faith Community as a church family. In the summer of 1997, we, when we first launched this church, we developed a membership covenant. It's not a contract you don't even sign this thing. We've asked you, please don't sign it. Just print your name. But it served as a good tool for us in, uh, to, to make our expectations clear. So for the next few minutes, I'm going to take some time to walk with you through our membership covenant. In fact, some guys around the room have copies of our membership covenant. I'd like for everybody in the room to get one if we printed enough of them. Um, for, and, and don't feel like you need to read ahead, and you might not be sitting somewhere where you can even read it, but just hold on to it. I'm going to put everything that we need to talk about. It's going to be on the screen as well. So for most of you, this is a reminder, uh, because sometime in the last 18 years, you've put your name on one of these covenants, and we've agreed to the elements of this covenant. For others, it's the first time you're hearing this. You didn't even know that we had this option, because it's, it's a well-kept secret. So first of all, let me say this. God has high expectations for every Christian. He expects every Christian to use his or her gifts and talents in ministry. That's the expectation. A lot of churches believe that every member is a minister. And a lot of churches even give it a major emphasis in their preaching and their teaching and their programming. But still, most members 
do nothing but attend and maybe give. This local fellowship of believers will never be any stronger than its core of lay ministers who carry out the ministry within the body and within our community. It's so critical. How are we doing? Anybody still need one? You got it. Cool. Thanks, guys. Romans 12, uh, verse 5 says this. It says, In Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. The life of a Christ follower, listen, involves more than just believing. It also includes belonging. You can feel free to look up at me because we're going to get to the membership covenant in about three minutes. So um, just hang with me. We're going to go point by point through the covenant. The life of a Christ follower involves more than just believing. It includes belonging. And if you think somehow you can believe and not belong, then uh, good luck on being the Lone Ranger Christian because I've never seen it work. Uh, We grow in Christ by being in relationship with other believers. Today, most people associate the term membership with paying dues, with meaningless rituals, with silly rules, with having your name on a list somewhere. But the Apostle Paul has a very different idea of a different image of membership. And to him, being a member of the church doesn't refer to some cold induction into an institution, uh, but it meant something, meant more becoming a vital organ of a living body. We need to reclaim that image. Because any organ that's that's detached from the body will not only miss what it was created to be, it'll soon shrivel and die. When people come to our church... And maybe they're thinking about really making a commitment to this body of, of believers and becoming members, and they, know, they want to know the answers to some questions, questions like this. Questions like, do I fit here? Do I fit here? At some point, you've asked that question as you uh, were first introduced to faith community. Do I fit here? Maybe you're still asking that question. It's been a long, it's been like 11 years. But uh, do I fit here? That's a question of acceptance. Everybody needs a place to belong where we're constantly, and we're constantly as a, as a leadership team working on creating more environments and improving our existing environments where a sense of acceptance and connection can be experienced. That's important to us. We really believe that that can happen in the life of the church. We believe it happens best in small groups of people. It can happen in our women's ministry, for instance, and I know it has. It can happen in our new men's ministry. When you serve in the church, uh, you just might get connected with the people that you serve with. And we haven't perfected this at all. I mean, we are, no one is writing any magazine articles about how great faith community does at creating, accepting, and welcoming environments because we got a long ways to go on that one. We're trying to figure it out. And just by the time we think we kind of got it figured out, the needs of people change. But we're constantly trying to improve on this one. We have lots of conversations about it, and we're trying really hard uh, because we know that people need to know that we have a place for them. Question number two is, does anybody want to know me? That's a question of friendship. Does anybody want to know me? We want to, we want to be known. So we need to create opportunities for people to develop relationships within our congregation. I don't think people are looking for a friendly church so much as they're looking for friends. I mean, I'd, I'd much rather be in a church with my friends than sit in a pew and listen to a sermon with some friendly people. See the difference? Question three, am I needed? That's a question of value. I believe people want to make contributions with their lives. I believe they want their lives to matter. So when we can show people that they can make a difference with their gifts and with their talents by being a part of this church, uh, I think people will want to be involved. Question four is, what's the advantage? What's the advantage of being a member? It's a question of benefit. Uh, We've got to be able to explain the reasons and the benefits of membership, and that's what I'm going to attempt to do in just a few minutes. Question five is, what is required of members? That's, that's a question of expectations. 
People need to know what's expected of them before they become members, and that's why we developed this membership covenant years ago. Church membership used to be an act of, of conformity in our society. Everybody was a member of some church. You joined a church because everybody did that, but now the rules have kind of changed. Membership is more an act of commitment, and there, but I think there are several benefits to membership. First of all, membership provides a, a spiritual family to support and encourage you in your walk with Christ. You know who your brothers and sisters are that you can count on because you're doing church with them and you know them. Um, Galatians 6.12 says to carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. In order to fulfill one another's or to carry one another's burdens, we need to know, one enough well, know each other well enough to know what the burdens are. Number two, a benefit it gives us a place to discover and use your gifts in ministry. I believe that we are given, minister, given gifts, spiritual gifts, to serve in the context of the church. Number three, it places us under spiritual protection of godly leaders. And this is a concept we don't talk a lot about, but those of us who are leading the church take this very seriously. Hebrews 13 uh, says, that, uh, says to have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. And this is in the context of a gathering of believers. And they'll watch over you as those who must give account. So we take that very seriously. Number four, membership gives you an accountability that you need to grow. Uh, Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 5.21 says uh, to submit to one another. Uh, Romans 15.14 says uh, we're to instruct one another. Uh, so we need that accountability that comes from being a part of a church family. There are a lot of analogies for a Christian who's disconnected from a church. It could be a football player without a team, a soldier without a platoon, a tuba player without an orchestra, a sheep without a flock, you know, all kinds of examples. But I think the most understandable and, 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 and biblical is the picture of a child without a family. God doesn't want us to grow up in isolation from one another. So he created a spiritual family for us. And Paul reminds us again in Ephesians 2 that we are members of God's own family. A Christian without a church family is a spiritual orphan. We know that people are searching for a place to belong. They're looking for a sense of family, for a sense of community. The phrase one another is used 58 times in the New Testament. We're commanded to love each other, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, admonish one another, greet one another, serve one another, teach, accept, honor, bear each other's burdens, forgive each other, submit to one another. All those commands, in my mind, are what membership in a local family, a local fellowship of believers is all about. They are the responsibilities of the church family. So at Faith Community, we expect our members... uh, only what the Bible expects of us. So we've summarized these expectations in our membership covenant. So, uh, yes, we, it's funny, I was having a conversation with this right before church started. We are individual believers. We are responsible to God for us personally, individually, privately. We are the ones responsible for our spiritual growth as a follower of Jesus. But we must never neglect the corporate nature of our life as a follower of Jesus. We belong together. He left us the church for reasons that uh, we can't do this on our own. We need to be connected, joined together as parts of one body and, uh, and function and do life like family. Um, so let's, um, let's look at our membership covenant, and I'll explain. I'll, I'll try to offer some explanation as we move through this, okay? So let's just start at the top, and we're, Scott and I are going to try to stay on the same page here, and he's going to try to keep me reined in. So uh, your membership covenant on the far right, and just so you understand kind of how we set this up, on the left, far left column, you got a little, why do we do this? The middle column is uh, the covenant, and then the right column is a copy of the covenant. And when you agree to this covenant, you put your name in the bottom, cut it off, and leave this far right section with us. So that's why it's set up the way it is, okay? 
So about the time that you've read through that third column and you're halfway through, you're like, wait, I just read this. That's why, okay? Here we go. As a member of Faith Community Fellowship, I agree to the following covenant with this body of believers. I testify that Jesus Christ is the Savior of my life and I choose to submit to his Lordship as I serve him. The doctrine of salvation is the theme of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is personal, it is national, it is worldwide in this story, in this redemption story uh, that starts in Genesis and goes all the way through the entire uh, Bible. And it centers on the person of Jesus Christ himself. So from God's perspective, salvation includes the total work of God in bringing people from condemnation to justification, from death to eternal life. Uh, and in salvation, uh, you could kind of say it's in three tenses because you have been saved from the condemnation of sin. That's Ephesians 2.8 and Titus 3.5. You're being saved from the dominion of sin in your life, from the power of sin in your life. That's Hebrews 7.25 uh, and 1 Corinthians 10.5. And you will be saved from the very presence of sin. And that's in Romans 5, 9, and 10. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's in John 14. Then the apostle Peter said it this way in Acts 4. He said, salvation's found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the source of our salvation. We can't earn favor with God. No amount of church attendance or good works or charitable contributions will get us where we need to be in the sight of God. Joining a church doesn't do it for you. Salvation is found in the person of Jesus Christ, and he alone is worthy to be the Lord of our lives. So next point, I fully agree with faith community's statement of faith. I'm not going to take a, a, a lot of time on this one, um, or doctrinal statement, I guess maybe is how it's actually written, but um, I'm not going to take a lot of time on this one, or any time really, because you really need to do your own study on this one. Uh, plus, just reading through these eight points uh, could take me real off topic real fast. Uh, you can find our doctrinal statement, uh, which is simply what we believe, or our statement of faith, on our website. It's at faithcommunityfellowship.com under the welcome section where it says our beliefs, and they're listed out there for you. Um, and if you, if, you're, if you read those eight points in our beliefs and you have more questions, I'd encourage you, a few years ago, we did a series called What Christians Should Believe, and it's a 14-part series we did on doctrine and uh, those open-hand, closed-handed beliefs, and uh, we encourage you to pick that up, and I can put that in your hands if you're interested. Back to the covenant. I've been scripturally baptized by immersion. Let's just stop there for a second. I had baptism here last week, um, I, and I know it was a stormy Sunday, and a lot of you weren't able to be here, but a lot of you were here, and I was so pleased with the with the crowd last week on a stormy Sunday, and it meant so much to the people who got baptized and took that step and, you know, in their journey of following Jesus. And, um, and actually, you know, we're having a baptism here tomorrow night. I don't know if you knew that or not, but uh, our friends at Church of Life of Praise are going to be in here tomorrow night using our baptistry. So um, we believe in baptism. We believe it is a critical step in the, in the life of the follower of Jesus. And Here's what we believe about that. Just let me clarify this, give you a definition of when we say scripturally baptized. Here's what we mean by that. Scriptural baptism involves both the, the order of baptism or the order of events and the method of baptism. The New Testament teaches that baptism follows salvation. After you've come to a place where you have placed your trust in Christ as your Savior, then we are baptized. Baptism is an outward expression of a spiritual decision. It's the outward reflection of an inward connection. As to the method, in the New Testament, baptism always meant to be fully immersed. That's what the word literally means. Um, in the early church, um, somewhere in the first, just first few hundred years of the early church, there came a time when people came to the realization, when they began to understand how this stuff worked, that pools of stagnant water were not safe for people to go into. 
They came to that understanding, and they were infested with all sorts of disease, which is where the practice of baptism by sprinkling originated. And today, we have no reason not to follow the New Testament model of baptism by immersion. So that's what we mean when we say we've been scripturally baptized. It's both the order of events and the method. Next point. I'm committed to being obedient to the Word of God as I read and study the Bible, and I'll faithfully support the vision of Faith Community Fellowship with my time, tithe, and prayer. Let me just talk about the first part of that, about the being obedient uh, to the Word of God as I read and study the Bible. It's the first Sunday of a new year. I know it's a time when people uh, like to try to start some new disciplines, and if reading Scripture is something that you struggle with, this is a great time of the year to get started and making this a part of your life and a discipline that just becomes a way of life. And there, boy, it is easier today than it has ever been to be in the Scripture. Um, I am a big fan of reading plans and the Bible app. Uh, that actually Craig Rochelle's church developed uh, a few years ago. To date, 200 million people have downloaded the Bible app. Isn't that amazing? 200 million people are carrying the Word of God around on their phone. Doesn't mean they're reading it, but you know it's there, and who knows when in that time of need and darkness and questioning when they might go to the Scripture. So I would encourage you uh, to either go to YouVersion uh, on your web browser or download the Bible app and Oh, actually, on our Facebook page just this week, we put a link there to YouVersion. Um, and you can sync it so that whatever you read on your computer is synced up on your phone as well and vice versa. And get into some reading plans. If you're just getting started, let me encourage you to do a short-term plan. Do a 21-day plan. Do a 30-day plan. And then if you get behind, you just hit that, that button at the bottom, which says, catch me up. That, I love that. Uh, I used to, when, I was a, when I was a teenager and doing reading plans and I got behind, I would have to just sit down and then count the chapters and count the days and do the math. Of course, I kind of like that. So, um, but whoever came up with the catch me up button uh, was awesome. So um, I would encourage you to start with a short-term plan. There are to, topical plans. There are books of the Bible. There's sections of the Bible, however you want to approach it. Um, just start to engage in this discipline. And uh, you'll come to a place when you do this long enough, like any discipline, that just becomes a way of life for you. Um, so I want to really encourage you to do that. Because we want to... Uh, I, I want us to be a biblically literate church. And if this is the only environment where you're into the Word of God, you're just you're limited in how far you're going to go and how deep you're going to grow. So uh, I hope you'll commit to that. Then the next part of that says, I'll faithfully support the vision of Faith Community Fellowship with my time, tithe, and prayer. Um, we talk all the time about involvement and opportunities to serve. We talked about that just a couple weeks ago. But then we want to be in a place financially where we can pay our bills as a church. We have, it costs money to do what we do. Let's just talk about that. All right? Um, you can't look anywhere in this building and see anything that doesn't cost money to do what we do. Um, we want to have a functional space that we can meet in and we can meet the payroll and we can minister to the felt needs of, our, of the people in our church and in our community. Um, but we don't have a secret, just, just, just so everybody knows, we don't have a secret, inexhaustible stash of money. We're not a trust fund church. We don't have any of that kind of stuff. Um, we don't have any, we don't rely on any big benefactors. We don't even want that. We don't have an outside source of income or some kind of denominational uh, funnel that pours money into our bank account from week to week. None of that happens. Faith Community Fellowship and everything that you see relies solely on the regular support of its members for all of our financial obligations. So those little uh, offering boxes in the lobby, 
everything that you see is supported by those offering boxes and increasingly so our online giving on our website. Uh, so it's you. It's all of you who support everything that we do here and make it possible to, to do it financially. And I know we've become so paranoid about teaching about money in the church and on a Sunday morning. Uh, we, we, won't, we won't even bring the topic up because we're, we're so influenced and we just think that the world thinks that all we talk about is money. So we've overcorrected and we won't talk about it at all. So that's why I'm really glad that we're giving an opportunity to really get into it and talk about it in financial peace. And uh, sometimes we overcorrect and we won't even talk about the biblical principles about how to handle money and the role of money in our lives. But Jesus talked about money a lot. He talked about money almost as much as he talked about anything else. It's because money, listen, unlike anything else, can take a strong foothold in our lives. It can control us. You think you're a workaholic, but I doubt it very much. You're probably in love with money. And you're like, no, not really money. Well, they're stuff then. We fall in love with the things that money does for us. And uh, money itself is not evil. I know, but it says money is the root of all evil. And the scripture does not say that. Scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil. And it leads to all sorts of problems. That's in 1 Timothy. God doesn't want anything to take his place in our lives. So for a lot of people, money becomes our God. And the best way to keep from making money your God is to find and learn the joy of giving it away. God doesn't need our money. He owns everything. But we need to give it away. We need that practice in our lives. It's an incredible feeling to see our money uh, go towards something greater than ourselves. And some of you remember when you first experienced that, and it's like, wow, that somehow the impact of those dollars multiplied. And uh, God doesn't need our money, but his work needs our money. All right? So that's... uh, that's all I'm going to say about that one for now. Back to the covenant. I'll make every effort to be involved in the basic Christian community experience in our small groups and in our Sunday uh, corporate worship. Thank you. You know, um, I could really go on about the importance of small groups because uh, I believe that life change happens best in small groups. And if you've been coming to faith community for a while and haven't had a uh, you're having a hard time getting connected, uh, I'm just going to be right up front with you. You need to get with a small group of people. And it may be uh, a, a group that meets on a regular basis that where we hang the thing on the board in the lobby and people know about it, or it might just be something more organic where it's a group of friends or when you have something in common and you gather together on a regular basis for the purpose of biblical community. That's fine too. But that, that's where I believe it's in small groups where relationships are are really formed and nurtured, where we can be ourselves, where we can express our concerns, where we can receive encouragement and affirmation. I think that's where we experience real biblical community. And I know it's not always as easy as it sounds to assimilate into an established group because everyone, you know, you go to a group and they've been meeting for years and everybody seems so close already and they got all this shared history and their kids grew up together or whatever and they, get, they remember the good times and the bad times and they're really, really close. And the first group that you try, you know, is not the best fit for you. So what are you supposed to do then? Can you just leave? Is that okay? Um, how do you, you know, try another group without offending this group over here, without them getting their feelings hurt? Trust me, trust me. Just stay engaged with that process. Uh, be patient with that. And when you land in the right group, it'll be life-giving for you. And it just might be that you've got to create a group. 
Maybe the group that you need to be a part of does not exist right now, and you need to be the one to say, let's do this. Let's just offer our home. Let's meet together. Let's see where this takes us. Let's get connected. Um, but you know what? As important as the smaller environments are, we, we, I, I believe the church is meant to function with two wings, the small group and the corporate gathering, because that's why we're here this morning. We need to strike that proper balance in our programming and in our emphasis and in our individual participation. Um, and as, as a pastor here, this is how I see it. If you've been in church every Sunday for a year, but, and we're keeping track, but you're, not, but you're not in a small group, then you've only been in church half the time. All right? Uh, it, it works the other way around, too. In order for, this, for the church to really soar, both wings have to be healthy, and they have to be properly balanced. So I just want to encourage you to be uh, committed to the process of making those connections in, with, within small groups. Last item on the covenant. I'll passionately strive to reach the unchurched by developing meaningful relationships with them. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you haven't really done much about that. I mean, you're a good person and you know your Bible. And if somebody said, how do I become a Christian? You'd know enough to pick up the phone and call the pastor so that he could explain it to them. Because, like, you have a heart, you know. Um, and that was kind of a joke. And I think a lot of you missed it because that's not at all what we want you to do. Okay? All right? Um, but maybe you're not, you've been a Christian for a long time, but you're not discipling anybody right now. You're not mentoring anybody in their faith. You're not intentionally leading someone to become a disciple. You're not investing in anybody. You're not having those conversations. You're just kind of sitting here on Sunday soaking it in because, you, you know, you'd like the show here because we have a better show than any other church we've been to in the area, so you'd like that, and that's cool. Uh, yay for us, but that's not what we're trying to do. And I'm spoken, as I've spoken this morning and since you've been coming here, there's something on the inside of you that's maybe started this little flicker of flame. And you're thinking, you know, I've got gifts and I've got talents and, and I've got resources and I'm, I'm spending them all on me. And it's time that I start investing. It's time I get in the game spiritually and invest in some other people. And listen, we're glad you're here. And I'll tell you what, what we want you to do. We want you to get connected with a small group. Maybe it's the women's ministry. Maybe it's our new men's ministry. Maybe it's an existing small group. Maybe you launch a new group. Maybe you start off with doing starting point. We want you to get involved. We want you to get involved in the lives of the people in those settings. And then we want you to invite a friend to join you in that setting. A coworker a family member, someone you hang out with socially, an unchurched, unbelieving person to come to that setting with you. And if you're not invested in someone's life right now, then at least get invested in the biblical community that is available in those small groups of people. Because as you sit here this morning, you are surrounded by people who go out on a limb every single week to invite someone to a Sunday morning celebration or to invite someone to a small group or to a women's ministry or to the men's group or they invite them out for coffee or to invite them out for a meal or invite them into their homes. People, people in this room do that kind of stuff. And so we need you to be around those people because that's contagious. And listen, when you walk into this place on Sunday morning to worship, we want this to be a place where when people walk through these doors, we want this to be the best day of their week uh, we want them to see smiles on our faces and we want them to know our names and we want to remember theirs. That's so important. And we want them to experience authentic worship together. 
And if you don't know anybody that you can bring along for that, then at least you can partner with the people uh, who are and be authentic and be faithful and be enthusiastic in your worship experience together on a Sunday morning. And when you start seeing people through the eyes of Jesus, it'll change your heart towards the people who walk through these doors for the first time. It'll change your heart toward the people that you know who are unchurched and seekers and far from God. And you'll come to understand that much of what we do here and the way that we do it is for the benefit of those who aren't here yet. Maybe this is your first Sunday here and someone invited you today and you came because you couldn't get them off your back or whatever and you've been listening to this going, uh-huh, I knew there was an agenda. I knew, I knew you guys had a plan for my life. I knew I was invited for a reason. I knew somebody got a plan for my life out there and they finally got me here. I know. And the person who invited you is going, oh, Todd, of all weeks, really? Today? <laughs> Just let me say this. We do have an agenda for your life. We do. But unlike your banker and unlike your beautician and unlike your mother-in-law and your therapist, we don't want something from you. We want something for you. And what we want for you is to connect with your heavenly father in such a way that it'll change your eternal destiny. And in the meantime, it'll transform every single relationship that you have between now and the time that you take your last breath. See, yeah, we do have a plan. We do have an agenda. But you know what we want you to do? We want, we want to lead you to become a disciple. We want to lead you to become a person who believes and learns and follows Jesus Christ and has a growing relationship with him. But you don't have to. You can come week after week after week after week, and you can just come and listen. And then when you have questions, we want to try to answer them. And you might not believe yet, and you might have some questions, and you might need some answers, then you need to get together with the person who invited you and come talk with them or talk with me. We'll go out for coffee. And in other words, let me, let me just say this. If you're, you're not only, if that's you, you're not only welcome here. We planted this church for you. Because a couple thousand years ago, our Savior stood on a hill and said, this is the deal. I'm going to leave, and I'm coming back. But until I do, make disciples. So we have come together in the best way that we know how to create environments that are conducive for you to slowly, in your own time, become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've been a follower of Jesus for a while now, and maybe you've been attending here, and otherwise, you know, you're fully participating in church life here at Faith Community. Um, I want you to think about what membership could mean for you. Because you can attend and you can participate and you can get connected in small groups and you can be connected in vital relationships that are really important to you and you can be involved in ministry in most areas of ministry in this church and never be a member. And that's fine, but we reserve our leadership roles for those who are members. So it could be that the next step for you is to lead. Um, And so maybe you need to just go all in. Because if you have leadership gifts that you could bring to this body, would you seriously consider adopting the membership covenant and becoming a member of Faith Community Fellowship? Because we don't say a lot about membership, and um, I think it's probably been a couple of years since we've talked about it, and we're not about pressuring people to do certain things and that even the things that we think are important. But at the same time, we need to, we need to do a better job of explaining how these things work and the value that we place on things like membership uh, because of the accountability and the ministry opportunities. Oh, I really ought to say this, too, about membership at Faith Community. Because chances are uh, you've been a member 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, how many of you have ever been a member of a church other than faith community? How many of you have? Okay. All right. Interesting. That's what I expected to see. Um, this is something you need to know about membership at faith community. That members, the membership covenant is not a lifetime commitment. Because at faith community, we renew our membership covenants every January. So you can join any time, but just know that we're going to renew these covenants every January. So uh, it's, I think it's good for us, because if we, if we make a commitment and 17 years go by, we haven't thought about the covenant that we've agreed to, um, it's really easy for secondary things to, come, to become primary things. So we want to keep this in front of you, and every year come back and revisit that and renew that. There's one more group I want to challenge before I wrap this up, and I'll be done. It's those of you who's, who have been members for a while. Because at some point... Um, you know, maybe recently, maybe a few years ago, maybe in the summer of 1997, I don't know, uh, you be- became a member here. It's, it's real easy to lose sight of the things that we once were so focused on and so enthusiastic about. And I hope that these last 45 minutes or so have at least been a reminder to you of the covenant that we've made. You know, last year with our strategic plan, and we come up with this plan that we're called the Next Initiative, and we kind of launched a new chapter in the story of our church. So after nearly a year into that process, uh, uh, we're, we're taking stock, and we're meeting with our elders and the whole leadership team next week to do a little evaluation, take an honest look at that. Um, but as a leadership team, we've tried to be honest about how we're doing with our end of the deal on this membership covenant. Um, so I want to encourage you to really consider how you've done in following through with your part of the covenant. Perhaps there's an area, too, where you've struggled or it's been weak, where maybe you've been inconsistent, maybe your effort's been a little lacking. I want to encourage you to do more than just put your name on a piece of paper and forget about it, but to wholeheartedly renew your commitment to our mission as a church and to the calling of Jesus on our lives to make disciples, to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's a point of application today. It's pretty straightforward. If you've been a member and you're ready to continue with us as we pursue our God-given mission, fill out the covenant on that bottom right corner. Uh, Don't sign it, please. Just print your name because it's not a contract. It's a covenant. Print your name. Tear off the far right side. We even have a nifty little uh, paper cutter there on the table in the lobby. And leave that far right side in the basket in the Welcome Center there. As you leave, it's on the far left, okay? If you're new here, or at least since the last time we did this, and after you've, you've heard this explained... Uh, you believe that you can enter into a covenant with us to be part of this church body, to bring your gifts to the table, to get connected to other believers in a meaningful way, then we would love to welcome you into our church family. So if you have questions, if there's anything you need clarity on, initiate a conversation with me or with Pastor Bob. We'd be thrilled to talk with you about that. Thanks for uh, listening this morning, and uh, let's pray together. While I pray, I'm going to ask the, the, the band and the worship team to come join me here, please. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are humbled that you have called us to join you in this mission. This story of redemption that threads all through the entire scripture. Of man walking with you and then falling away because of sin. And then you doing everything necessary to bring us back to you. What an honor it is. It's so humbling to be called to be a part of that process with the people in our lives. What a joy it is to serve with other believers who are like-minded. 
What an exciting time to be a part of a local church. I believe it's an exciting time to be a part of this church and to be a part of the church community in in Ellsworth because you're doing something. You're clearly at work in the lives of churches in town, the lives of believers and the lives of leaders and the lives of people who are seeking, who are doubting, who are looking for answers, who are craving relationship with their Heavenly Father. We believe that you are at work. So as a church this morning, we want to come together to covenant together to be a part of what you're already doing. We want to be used by you for your glory. We want to bring our gifts to the table, our time and our talents and all of our resources to be used by you for a purpose so much greater than any of us. So God, we're excited about what this new year is going to bring. Thank you for the blessings of the past year and these past nearly 19 years as a church body, for the lives that have been impacted, for your grace in the face of our mistakes and our shortcomings, and for the hope of the impact that the church can make in our area in the days ahead. We surrender our lives as individuals and our life as a church body into your hands for your purpose and for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.